Our first lesson today comes from Psalm 46. If you would, find that in your Bibles, and if you would, stand in honor of God's Word. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You may be seated. Luther directs us in his hymn, the first stanza, to reflect upon the fact that God is our refuge and our shelters. The choir has sung through the four stanzas. Let me read the first stanza. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth work, doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. As Jim read Psalm 46, it does reflect or Luther's first stanza reflects the truth of this psalm, that God is our, our refuge. He's our fortress. He is our protection in the battle. And a bulwark, as Luther used in his hymn, is, is best understood as a defensive structure, a rampart or a wall behind which people dwell in safety, protected from the enemy that is before this bulwark. And certainly, God is a bulwark. He will never fail in protecting his people in the spiritual battle. And isn't that a comforting reality for you and me today? Well, is there a spiritual battle raging? Listen to Paul in Ephesians 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There is a spiritual battle. And Satan, as Luther's hymn points out, and, I, and scripture points out, is a worthy adversary. Luther said, on earth is not his equal, but we have a bulwark that protects us but Christ has already won the victory. Listen to these words, very familiar words from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 
chapter 15, verses 56 and 57, as Paul reflects upon the bodily resurrection, he says this, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our bulwark. He is our protector. We are safe in the spiritual battle and we will share fully in the victory that Christ has won. So what do we do? We are to engage the battle boldly and confidently, trusting in God, our mighty fortress, our bulwark. And here's the point that we need to keep in mind. He will never fail us. Hymn number four, All Praise to God Who Reigns Above, is our next hymn. We'll sing the first four stanzas and then verse 6, but it reminds us of how much we enjoy as God's people, in particular his providential work in loving us and governing us and watching over us. Let us stand and sing, I'll praise to God who reigns above.
seated. If you would, pray with me. It is with thankful hearts that we remember the words of King David. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour your hearts out to him, for God is our refuge. Father, we know that there is no situation, physical or spiritual, which we will ever face that is outside your sovereign control. So we can trust you in all things, at all times, with great confidence, because you have redeemed us and we are yours. You hide us in the cleft of the rock and cover us with your hand. We rest in the shadow of the Almighty. When we are faced with trials, we are often tempted to look for security and answers and unreliable sources. But Jesus told us, in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we can say with full assurance, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Great is your faithfulness. We pray this in the name of our victorious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, whose kingdom is forever. Amen. Our second reading, Christ Jesus, Lord Sabaoth, Isaiah 31, verses 1 through 6. Isaiah 31. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or consult the Lord. And yet he is wise and brings disaster. He does not call back his words, but will arise against the house of the evildoers and against the helpers of those who work iniquity. The Egyptians are man and not God, and their horses are flesh and not spirit. When the Lord stretches out his hand, the helper will stumble, and he who is helped will fall, and they will all perish together. For thus the Lord said to me, as a lion or a young lion growls over his prey, and when a band of shepherds is called out against him, he is not terrified by their shouting or daunted at their noise. So the Lord of hosts will come down to fight on the Mount Zion and on its hill. Like birds hovering, so the Lord of hosts will protect Jerusalem. He will protect and deliver it. He will spare and rescue it. Turn to him from whom people have deeply revolted, O children of Israel. Luther reminds us of who fights in this spiritual battle. It is Christ who fights uh, for us. The second stanza, Luther points to Jesus. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing? 
dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he, Lord Sebaoth, his name, from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. I don't know how many times that I've, I've sung this stanza thinking, what in the world does Sebaoth mean? Maybe you've had that same experience. And, and what it means is very much what J.C. read from Isaiah's uh, prophecy. It is, Lord Sebaoth is related to the term Lord of hosts. I think of Jesus at, at the head of his army. This army that is a mighty host, and Jesus as the head is the Lord of this mighty host. And through this mighty host, the Lord of the mighty host fights, working through them to win the battle. It is not a battle fought in our own strength. Luther says, if it were, our striving would be losing. Don't you agree with that? Where would we be if the stability of the church, if the future of the church were in the hands of men? It would be striving, and it would be striving for naught. But it is Jesus, who is the Lord of the mighty host, who fights. The battle is his, and we are called to be strong in the Lord to rest in him. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 6 and verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And we know other places in Scripture that point us to just how strong the Lord is. 1 John 4, 4, for example. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And he, Jesus, is the Lord Sabaoth. And he must and he will and he has already won the battle. And we stand strong in his strength. And let us live by faith in the Lord of hosts. Take your hymnal and turn to hymn number 300. And 10, rejoice the Lord in King. Charles Wesley reminds us that indeed Jesus is our King and that there are such glorious realities that we enjoy because of that. Let us stand and sing, rejoice the Lord is King.
be seated. Let's pray. Our Father, our God, you are, you are Lord Sabaoth. You are the Lord of hosts. You command the armies of heaven. Your power, your strength are perfect. Uh, it's, they're holy, they're pure, they're true. They're, you always use your strength for good. Uh, you have no rivals in creation. And your strength is for us, and we praise you for that, as, as Tim has just reminded us. Uh, you accomplish whatever you set your hand to do. As the hymn says, uh, a little word will fail our enemy and our enemies. And even when you allow us uh, to enter into a season where we struggle with our weakness, uh, where we taste defeat and frustration and disappointment, you're using it for our good. You're training us to despair of our own strength and to trust in your strength. So Father, we praise you for your strength and for your power. May you receive all praise and honor and glory to which you're entitled. Amen. Hear God's word, Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 through 10. Then I saw the thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Also I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and who had not worshipped the beast or its image, and had not received its mark on their forehead or on their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until a thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea, and they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city, but fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. In Luther's hymn, he speaks of uh, Satan and the fact that he is set to destroy God's kingdom and God's church. But Luther also says that Satan's doom is sure. Listen to this stanza. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure when little word shall fail him. Satan is real. There is a very dark force throughout human history. This fallen and rebellious angel is limited. He is a creature. 
He is under God's sovereignty, and having said that, as we've already said, he remains a worthy adversary who is bent on destroying Christ and his church. The kingdom of evil is ruled by Satan, waging war against the church. And we might consider that all the evil events that we witness in our day, that it's this evil spiritual force that is behind them all. And Paul describes the battle that the church is in with Satan in Ephesians 6, 11 through 13. Paul says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces over evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand, withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. And the way the Apostle Paul speaks about this spiritual battle, he speaks about it in very personal uh, terms. I remember back when I was in junior high school, I was part of the wrestling team, and I know some of you uh, wrestle. And when you're in this wrestling event comp competition, it's very personal. It's hands-on. You're grabbing and hugging and twisting and trying, trying to outdo your opponent. And the spiritual battle that Paul describes here in Ephesians 6 is very much like that. It's personal to you and to me. And it's dangerous. It's a dangerous struggle. Satan is a schemer. He is a deceiver. He is an accuser of God's people. I don't know how many times I've heard. I don't know how many times I've thought, how could I be so duped to fall into that trap? But Satan is a deceiver. But listen, the hope is, J.C. reference, the hope is this, one little word shall fail Satan. His doom is sure. And we see this promise given in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 16, a passage that we've read many, many times in the course of our life together here at Covenant. I would go as far as to say this is one of those scriptures that, that is at the very foundation of how we understand the Bible and how we understand us and how we understand Christ and the promises of God. It is that, that, that passage that speaks to the fact that God promising that the seed of the woman will strike a fatal blow against the serpent and crush the serpent's head. It really is a prototype of the gospel itself, the victory of Christ. And Carl read from Revelation 20.10, and the devil who had deceived them, the schemer, was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That is Satan's destiny, doom, destruction, and the destiny of God's people is life and life everlasting. But we must admit in our day today that oftentimes Satan doesn't have to work too hard to tempt us to commit this sin or that sin, but our own sinful hearts, as James reminds us in chapter 1, often is the cause for us uh, taking a temptation and actually acting out on it. So we continue to be in a struggle, struggle with that old sinful nature, 
that no longer has dominion over us, but certainly the stain of it is still there, and we struggle with it. And we often fall into the schemes of Satan, or we often live according to the evil desires, as as James says, of, of our own hearts. But let us remember that at the end of the day, Satan will be destroyed, and we are to engage the battle even in the midst of our failures with great confidence in Christ who has already won, knowing that the destiny of Satan is doomed, that his end is sure, and that we will stand in Christ and nothing will be able to shake us away from standing firm in Christ because of God's grace. Now I want you to pause and think about that for just a moment. Nothing, nothing Satan can do will ultimately cause us to fall because of the work of Christ in us and the promises of God that give us great confidence. And so when we go to battle, even though Satan's a worthy adversary, we go with much encouragement and confidence in Christ and assurance of our destiny, which is to stand victorious in Jesus. As we reflect upon this, it is an occasion for us on the one hand to rejoice and give thanks for the assurance that we have in Jesus. It's also occasion on the other hand to say, I do mess up. I do follow the schemes of Satan and buy into that. It's an occasion for us to to be reminded that we continually need to ask forgiveness for our sins. So as we sing hymn number 691, It is well with my soul, let let us do so rejoicing in the fact that we stand firm in Christ because of his grace but also to use this as a, as a hymn that reminds us of our need to ask forgiveness. And it also reminds us that God is providentially working, that even in our failure, even as we face temptation, yet we can say it is well with my soul because God has sovereignly used that to bring about his purposes. And then after we sing this hymn, you'll be seated, and then we'll use the Lord's Prayer as a congregational prayer, as a prayer of confession. And then there'll be a time in a silent prayer where we can confess particular sins to God. So let us stand and sing 691, It Is Well With My Soul.
Tim reminded us we can use the Lord's Prayer uh, for both uh, a creed, a way in which to proclaim God's truth to ourselves, and also as a way to confess our sins before Him. So at the end of this, we will pause and each of you take an individual time to speak to God about those things that you can commit to Him, those things that you need to ask for forgiveness for Him, and those things that you need to commit to Him for the future. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, Lord, and for your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
If you'll turn to hymn uh, page five and look at the hymn there in Christ alone. This is a modern hymn, but so beautifully declares the person and work of Jesus Christ. Why are we able with confidence to go to him in confession and then leave the place of confession fully assured that we have been forgiven? He has done everything necessary that our sins would be forgiven, the guilt pardoned, his justification being imputed to us, that we have a place and a home in heaven, and we walk in the reality of that even today. So let us stand and just rejoice in all that we have in Christ Jesus, forgiveness and life and life everlasting in Christ alone.
next reading is scripture from Psalm 119 verses 97 through 106 it can be found in your hymnal uh, your pew, pew hymnal on page 514 here God so loved us that he gave us his perfect word Psalm 119 97 oh how I love your law it is my meditation all the day your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. We come to the last stanza of A Mighty Fortress is Our God, but certainly not the last word, for the last word is always God's word, right? Luther exhorts us to rest in God's word. The word above all earthly powers, writes Luther, no thanks to him abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go. This mortal life also, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still, his kingdom is forever. You know, Luther talks, uh, Luther talks a lot about God being on our side, and I guess that's for alliteration and the poetic effect, but the reality is uh, we were on God's side by his grace. And because of that, God has enabled us to know him through his word. Let us always understand the gift that has been given to us that Steve reminds us of being able to not only have the Word of God, but to be able to read it and through the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit understand it. So many people today have the Bible and they read it and it's a big puzzle. Even how to be saved is a mystery, but it's not when given the eyes to see and the ears to hear and the heart to know and the mind to comprehend, at least in part, never in full, but to apprehend the Word of God. And what does God's Word tell us? In God's words, we are told many things. And one thing that we are told, that we have a complete, sufficient, and dependable 
armament that we will stand firm in the spiritual battle. You see, God is a God of means, isn't he? He's sovereign over the beginning. He's sovereign over the end. He's sovereign over the means to bring about his will. He's sovereign in our prayer. We pray a prayer. God sovereignly uses it. He sovereignly ordained it, and he brings about his purpose through it, and he has provided a means that we would stand firm. That is this armament that we find in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. Now, I know the ladies are studying Ephesians 6, and so some of you could stand up and, and wax eloquently about what the Apostle Paul is teaching here in Ephesians 6, and praise God for that. But let me just simply read this passage of Scripture. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and eschews your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Notice, keep alert with all perseverance. The purpose of this armament, God's means that we would persevere, stand firm in this spiritual battle. The belt of truth. Satan is a liar. God is a God of truth. His word is is orthodoxy. It is truth. Breastplate of righteousness. Satan is the accuser of God's people, but we live covered with the righteousness of Christ imputed to us. The gospel shoes. Satan promotes fear and death, but we go forth speedily with the good news of the gospel to encourage and to witness the beautiful message of Jesus Christ that there is peace in life. The shield of faith. Satan is the source of unbelief and doubt. But the gift of faith is that strong shield that quenches every doubt that Satan might try to promote in our minds and in our hearts. It quenches the dart. It is the shield. Think of the shield being the cross of Jesus Christ. And Satan hates the cross of Jesus Christ because it is his undoing, but it is our life and strong shield. And then the helmet of salvation, Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman will have a bruised heel, but will crush the head of the serpent. A fatal blow is what Satan has in store for him. And yet, there will never be a fatal blow on God's people because of the helmet of salvation. Think about that when things get really tough and you're coming to the end of your rope because the battle is so fierce. And remember, nothing not Satan, not even your own or my own sinfulness can cause us to experience a fatal blow. We are safe in the love of God. And then 
the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. It's interesting that the sword of the Spirit is the only offensive weapon that we have in Ephesians chapter 6. It's part of the armament, but it is that sword. Hebrews says that double-edged sword that we are to use offensively to put forth the, the claim of Christ, the gospel message of Christ, to put forth God's truth that stands against evil. And how did Jesus respond to Satan in the wilderness temptations at the very beginning of his gospel, of his ministry? He said, the word of God says, thus saith the Lord. The word is absolute truth. It's powerful. It is all sufficient. Listen to these passages of scripture and just, just think about God's Word, the blessing of having God's Word, the blessing of reading and understanding God's Word. Paul says in Romans 1, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith, the power of the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12, for the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Word of God cuts right through, right to the very core, and exposes and reveals. And God's truth stands overwhelmingly against error, even in our own heart. And then 2 Corinthians, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. The word of God is that offensive weapon in the warfare and may we be held captive to it, even as we use it in the battle. And then Paul ends, not with part of the armament, but the umbrella under which the armament is to be received and used, prayer. So we are to pray for ourselves, Paul says, and for all the saints to stand firm in the battle. S.D. Gordon a saint of many years ago, missionary, said this, prayer is striking the winning blow. Service is merely, merely gathering up the results. And the point that he's saying is that the battle is won the night before on our knees. Let us now pray. Let's pray. Our precious Lord, you are so gracious to give us your perfect and holy word of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As we have heard, read, prayed, and sang, here in the power of Christ we stand. Your word, the word of God alone, has final authority. We pray that our consciences will be captive to your truth, that we will put on the whole armor of God for the daily battle before us. We pray that we will stand daily in your word, having fastened on the belt of truth, our armament, able to stand against the schemes of Satan. We also ask to be ready with the sword of the Spirit, 
to be praying at all times with our understanding of your word in the spirit. We praise you for your holy word, our armament, for the battle, and that word abideth still until Christ return. And in his name we pray, amen. We conclude our service today by singing, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, hymn number 92, as we reflect upon the fact that God is our refuge, that he is our conquering king, that though Satan is a worthy adversary, Christ has already won the victory. Satan's destiny is that of doom, and God's word abides still, and Christ's kingdom is forever. A Mighty God.
Now receive the benediction, the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of God's Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you now and forevermore. Amen.